This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit lakeeriechurch.com. Now here's today's message. The church at Philippi, and last week we talked about how the Apostle Paul wanted to convey how special this church was because of the people that were in the church and the relationship that he had with them, the stories that they had gone through, that these people had done life together with the Apostle Paul in a way that he now connected them more than just the physical connection, but there was a deep emotional and spiritual connection. And we talked about that's what makes this a great church, is that we've, we've been through some stuff together. We've lived life together. We know each other's stories, and there's, there's power in those stories and getting to know each other in that regard. In fact, we had our men's uh, outing Friday night and had a great turnout, and there was an opportunity for me uh, to meet some men in our church that I, I see on Sundays, but I don't know them very well. But in hearing their story and getting to know a little more about them, hearing where they've been, what they've experienced, those stories are powerful connectors. And that's what the Apostle Paul had of these people at Philippi. Brother Jerry, if you would freshen the monitor just a little bit, please. And that's why in verse 8, he says to them, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. What, he, what he's saying is, listen, I have such a, a fondness in my heart for you that I long to be with you. And, and this joy that Paul has, this, this compassion, this gratitude is something that's very intriguing to me. Because remember that when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, he's writing it from prison. This joy that he exudes in this book, 17 times he talks about joy and its impact. He wrote about that from prison, from a dungeon, from a hole in the ground, from a cave, if you please. And, and that intrigues me because your prison may not be a cave. Some of you may be imprisoned to your fears or you may be imprisoned to uh, negative uh, feelings thoughts that go through your head. You may be imprisoned in many kinds of things, and yet Paul would have you to know that you can have joy in spite of that. Amen. And when I think about that, I, I try to understand that Paul would say in chapter 1 that joy is found in the confidence that we have that God is at work in us, around us, and for us. That we have joy because of that. In chapter 2 he says joy is found in the worship of Jesus Christ. And not in our circumstances. In chapter 3 he says joy is found in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 4 he says Paul reminds us that joy is found in the only God who is able to supply our every need by his riches in glory. So what that simply means is, I can have joy and be broke. I can have joy and be, I can have joy and be in a bad marriage. I can have joy and I can be burying my mother. I can have joy and my world be falling apart because joy is not dictated by the environment that I'm in, but the attitude and confidence that I have toward God. 
So when I think about the kind of confidence Paul wants for us, what he says to us here is that he has confidence in God. He's talking about confidence that is a certainty that something in fact is true. His joy comes from the fact that he has confidence in God because he knows God is true. Do you know anything that's true today? I mean, anything you'd base your life on that's true? Anybody that you would base your life on because you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you can count on them? That's what Paul's saying. There's a confidence that I have that brings about joy in my life because I know that I can count on the Lord. Now, we need truth in our world, don't we? I'm telling you, truth is such an elusive thing in today's society. We have, we have relegated truth to be an abstract. We've made truth subjective to whoever's deciding what truth is. So you have this person that says this is truth. This person says this is truth. And we're listening to news commentators and politicians and, and sports stars and, and, and uh, 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 showbiz people and, and our neighbor. And next thing you know, you don't know what the truth is. Our president has coined the phrase fake news. Well, that's what's going on in the world. We don't even know what the truth is. We don't know where to put our faith. We don't know where to put our confidence. But can I just tell somebody in this room that there's only one truth and his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can count on me. You may not be able to count on what you see in the paper. You may not be able to count on what you see in the news, but you can count on me. What I tell you is true. And that kind of confidence, that kind of confidence in God and His truth allows us to have joy no matter what circumstance we're going through. So in chapter 1, I've identified two. I'm going to show them to you and then we'll be done. Two things that you can have confidence in in your own life. Here's number one, that God is at work in our lives. That's true. And you can count on it. Now, the reason that I start there is because some of you are living less than what you desire. But you need to know that God is at work in your life, even when you can't see it. Notice what he says, what, what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. I am certain. That's what he says. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul said there's something I can be very certain about and that is that God is at work in me. And God is at work in you. You say, well, it doesn't feel like God's very close. Well, I'm telling you, one of the amazing things in understanding is that God works the night shift. Anybody ever work the night shift? Oh, got a lot of graveyard folk here. When I grew up, we used to call that, that shift graveyard. I used to work in a cotton mill in south, down in the south, and I'd go to work at 10 o'clock at night, get off at 6 in the morning. So when all of my friends were going to bed... I was going to work. And when I was getting off work, all my friends were getting up. 
I was going to bed. My whole life was turned upside down. But there are things that happen in the night while you're asleep. And if you're not careful, you'll sometimes think that God's asleep, but he never sleeps. He works the night shift. So while you're sleeping, while you're over here, God's over here doing things that you don't even realize that God is doing. Some of you are wrestling right now with children, wayward children, rebellious children, and you're trying to figure out, is this going to work out? I just encourage you that God is at work in your environment even if you don't see it. God is work. And Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is going to finish it. Paul saw every day. Paul saw every day of life as a fresh opportunity for God to accomplish something through his life. Do you live that way? Do you get up every day with this expectation that God is possibly going to work through me today for his kingdom? I mean, what would it be like if you got up every morning and said, God, today, I'm anticipating today that I'm going to have a chance to do something for the kingdom today. I'm going to pick up these groceries. My wife put on this list, but I'm going to do more than groceries. I'm going to that grocery store to be a blessing. I went in a grocery store the other day, and I, do, I don't do this often. I don't do it often. But I went in the grocery store, and when I went through the door of that grocery store, I said, God, would you help me to bless somebody today? Help me bless somebody today. So I was going up and down the aisles, and I was just looking. I'm just trying to be sensitive, just looking for the opportunity that I could bless somebody. So I get up to the register and I'm about to check out. And behind me, I see this woman that I presume, just based on some things that I saw, that she's a single mom. Looks like she's got maybe a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old boy. And they're gathering up. enough money in the budget this week for that put that back oh my, no she said put it back we all have a certain amount of money and put that back and I thought well here's my spot right here so I stepped up and I said very quietly without anybody hearing me I said I don't want to embarrass you but could I bless you today by buying your groceries and loud enough to hear across the street she went do what? I said, I got smart. I said, I'd like to perhaps buy your groceries today. If I, I said, I'm a minister in the area, and I just kind of felt like I would like to buy your groceries today. He went, oh, you're not buying my groceries today. I got enough money to buy my own groceries today. I don't need nobody to buy my groceries. I said, okay, I'm just going to back right out of that situation. Just every day looking for an opportunity. Accepting that God is at work. That God is leading me into conversations. He's leading me into places where I get the opportunity to show the glory of God and reflect the glory of God. Taking the opportunity every chance I can to be used of God. That's what Paul's saying. God is always at work. 
He's working behind the scenes. He's working in situations that you don't understand. And so therefore, you realize that things are not always as they appear. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that we cannot see. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. As believers, we realize that we don't see everything that God is doing. We don't understand everything that God is doing. But we have a confidence that God is in fact at work in us. Here's the second thing. God is not only at work in us, but God is working around us. God's working in the environments around us. Let me show it to you. If you still have your Bibles open, look at this. Verse 12. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Now, you're going to have to think with me just a little bit. You know what Paul saying? It was a good thing that I went to jail. It was a good thing that I'm here in this prison. Because while I have been here in this prison, God has used this experience for the furtherance of the gospel. And he goes on to describe it a little bit. He said, even the Praetorian Guard. Now, to understand what he's talking about, he's in Rome and the emperor of Rome has these guards, kind of like the secret service, not quite like it, but like the secret service. And these guards have been assigned to Paul and they're on some kind of a rotation. So on Monday, this guard comes in and the next one on Tuesday and whatever. And Paul's preaching to every guard. And so to the Philippians, he said, this has worked out really good because now even the Praetorian guard is hearing the gospel. Now, you and I have a struggle with this because we measure success differently than the Apostle Paul does. We measure success based on how well we're doing. That life is successful, bills are paid, kids are healthy, marriage is solid, job is good, we're successful. Paul says, I'm in prison but God's kingdom is advancing, that's success. I'm not living in the environment that I want to be in. I'd rather be with you there in Philippi, but it's worked out pretty well that I'm here because while I am here, God has been at work around me. And people are coming to Jesus because of this experience. Now, again, we all struggle with this. My whole Christian experience, I have struggled with Romans 8 and 28. I can't tell you how many times I've laid before the Lord and struggled over that theology that all things work together for good. Because I've been in a lot of situations that didn't feel that good. But there is a confidence that we have that even though it doesn't feel good, even though we don't like it, even though we are uncomfortable, that somehow God is at work in that situation. 
So some of you know my story. But in 2009, my first wife developed cancer. At the age of 43, I guess it was, something like that. Completely caught us off guard. Healthy as an ox. Exercised every day. Had a strange pain that we started chasing for about three weeks and they came out and said, we found her problem. She's got cancer. And at 22 months, she was gone. We got treatment in Chicago at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And so we would either fly to Chicago from Cleveland every three weeks or we would drive to Chicago. On a particular weekend, a week that we went, I drove. And on the way back, in the car that night, just me in the quiet, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I know he did. And here's what the Lord said to me. If you just think this is about cancer, you're missing the bigger picture. This isn't just about cancer. And so I started paying more attention. Our doctor was a Lithuanian woman, Miss Patricia, Dr. Patricia. It was Lithuanian. And it didn't take me very long for, to figure out that she had no faith background. She had no experience with Christ at all. She had no, no, nothing to draw on. She wasn't raised in a Christian environment. She didn't know anything about God at all. And yet she was my cancer doctor. Somebody said, well, wouldn't you have rather had a spirit-filled doctor? I said, at this point, I don't care if there are... He didn't know anything at all about God at all. And so I said, one day I said, uh, I want to pray with you. What? I said, I want to pray with you. And I want you to know that every day I'll be praying for you, that God will use the gifts that he has given you. They will be exercised for our benefit. And I started praying with her at every doctor's appointment, privately with her in, in that room, just her assistant and, and us. And we prayed every time. A month or two into that, it would go something like this. Okay, we're going to do our examination and then we're going to pray, right? Yes, when you get done with the examination, we're going to pray. One day she came in for the examination and her eyes were bloodied and he didn't look like she had rested very much and I said are you all right and she said no I'm not all right I said what's the matter she said pastor she said my husband died last night I said well dear lord what are you doing here today he said I knew you were coming I want you to pray you see, I, I just need you to understand what I'm saying, that there is a confidence that we have that even in the darkest places, the toughest moments of life, that we have confidence that God is in control and that God is at work around us to accomplish His purpose, not ours, His purpose for the glory and the honor of God. 
And that's what Paul's saying. He said, I need you to understand that while I've been here in prison, that the kingdom of God has been advancing because people are preaching the gospel and folks are coming to know the Lord Jesus. And that's a good thing because God is at work around us. So let me finish this with four questions. Andrew put all four of them up at the same time, buddy. Four questions that I want you to understand that I think you need to hear today. Number one, what if you are right where God wants you to be in this moment? You say, if I had to choose, I wouldn't want to be here. But what if God wants to be in this moment right now? What if the experiences of the last seven days have been purposeful? Because God is in control. And God is directing in our lives and he's working around us and in us for his glory. What if there's purpose in your pain? What if your suffering has a purpose? Nobody likes pain. Nobody wants to suffer. But when you read the Apostle Paul, he will tell these people in the, next, in the end of this chapter, he said, you've been given the privilege that you may suffer for the cause of Christ. What does that mean? It means sometimes there is purpose to your pain. What if there's a strategy to the sorrow? What if you've gone through what you went through so that you could help somebody else who's about to go through that? What if there's been strategy to all of this, a kingdom strategy? You thought it was just the devil, but God has been at work working all things together for good in order that you could be right where God wants you to be right now. What about that last one? What if God is preparing you for the assignment of your life? What if the reason that you lost that job? What if the reason that you had that reversal of some kind? What if God was preparing you for something? Because if you have confidence... That God is at work around you and in you. You can have joy even when you can't make sense of your life. And I, and I, would, I would never, ever, ever walk up here to this platform and speak in a way that would cause me to discount the sorrow of your life. I would never, ever use this opportunity to discount how much it hurts you what happened. But I do believe that all things work together for good. And I can't tell you how, and I can't tell you why, but I just know it to be true. And I'm confident, as Paul said, I am confident that he who began the work in you is going to finish it 
He's not going to leave it undone. He's not going to leave you out there in limbo. He's going to finish the work that he started in you. So I told you last week, and I'm, I'm committed to this. I don't want you to come in here at 1130 on Sunday and just hear a good Bible lesson. Not that I'm inferring that I'm doing all that well, but I'm just saying I don't want you to walk in here on Sunday and just get taught three, three points in a poem. I want you to hear God speak into your heart and I want you to take something out that moves you closer. That you in fact are making decisions about your life based on the word of God that's moving you closer to God. That you can look back and say, I needed that this morning. I needed that so that I can move closer to what God's trying to do in me. Because believe me when I say this, I know some of you are in places that you don't understand. I know some of you have been hurt by other people and you can't figure out what you did wrong. I know some of you struggle with things that have happened in your past. A mother that wasn't what she was supposed to be or a dad that forsook you at a time when you really needed your dad and you're still trying to figure out why that happened. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you why it seems like that no matter what the doctors do, you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I wish I had an answer for that. All I can tell you is that the one who started a work in you is going to finish it. You can count on him to do that because he loves you. Loves you. So here are your four assignments. Here's your homework. Don't you love this? You got homework this week. Here's the first one. I want you to ask yourself, am I looking for joy and contentment in things that just cannot provide it. I thought about some people that I know this week as I wrapped all this up and prepared. I thought, I wish they could understand. They'll never get happiness where they're searching. They're never going to find what they're looking for digging in that hole. Are you looking for joy and contentment in the things that can never provide it to you? Here's number two. Let's work on becoming okay with God's complete control over everything. Now, I, I understand that's a work of progress. And if I'm honest with you, that's where a lot of your problem is, a lot of my problem. We are such control freaks. We have to control everything. And can I tell you, you've never, ever, ever been in control. It's always been Him. He's been at work in you and around you to bring about His purpose in you. So just start working on being okay with the sovereignty of God that God is completely in control of everything. Now before I move to number three, let me tell you, I've answered this 
question a lot of times in my lifetime. If God's in control of everything, Pastor, then why did he allow the terrorists to fly those planes into those towers? Well, let me tell you, God is in control of everything. But God allows human beings to make choices. And sometimes God allows those choices to turn into consequences. Could God have stopped those planes from going into that building? Absolutely. But he didn't. He let a man's choice lead to a consequence. Could God have stopped you from taking drugs? Absolutely. But he didn't. Could God have caused you not to make the mistakes you made when you were a teenager? Absolutely. But he didn't. He let you make choices that you wanted to make. And then in marvelous grace, he said, I'm going to be there to help you pick up the pieces. Your life's going to be devastated by that choice. So I'll be there. I'll help you pick up the pieces. We'll put it all back together. Get okay with God being in control of everything. Number three, start praying to get through something instead of getting out of it. Now, we're all Pentecostal here, or most of us are. Some of you are new to Pentecost, so what I'm about to tell you may not make a whole lot of sense to you. So if it does, just don't worry about it. If you want to know the answer, see Billy Walter. He'll explain it to you later. But you know what? We grew up, a lot of us in Pentecost, where we were always trying to get for God to get us out of something. We knew how to quote all the verses of Scripture. Any two shall agree, touch, it shall be done, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe. And so we would just lay hold to God's Word and say, God, you said in your Word, I'm asking you to get me out of this. Sometimes God's will is not to get you out, it's to get you through. Because if you get out, you're just going to go back. But if you get through, you'll never go back. Here's the last one. Number four. Start viewing every day as an opportunity for God to use you. For the kingdom to be a blessing to somebody. Start allowing your heart to be sensitive to what God's doing around you. What's taking place in the neighborhood where you live. What's going on across the street? What's going on on the job? What's taking, what kind of conversations you're having? Have you noticed that you've had more and more questions about church, religion, faith? There's a reason for that. There's a reason why you're having questions about stuff like that. Maybe, maybe there's a, a time for you to recognize that God has kept you on that job or He's kept you in that place so that he can use your life as a witness. I, I won't take the time to do it now, but next week, I'm going to show you something about that very thing. That you're probably right in the place God wanted you to be all along, even though you don't realize it. Because that's how much God works in you. Let's bow our heads to pray today. God, I want to thank you for this sweet presence of God that's in this room right now. 
It's, it's been unusual. It's not like it usually is. I, I think you're trying to get our attention. I think some of us this morning really needed this. We need you to provoke us and challenge us to stop trying to live life the way that we want to live it. And start surrendering ourselves and saying, God, how do you want me to do this? What do you want me to do with my life? So I pray, Lord, for men and women, young people in this room today, whose heart is really after God. They just sometimes get stuck. They sometimes just get stuck and they, they don't know how to move forward. Well, today, God... Your word is challenging us to step up and move forward. In the name of Jesus. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed just a moment. I wonder if there's anybody in this room today who is courageous enough to say, I really needed that message today. I needed what was said today because I'm in that place. I really needed this today. Hold up your hand just right where you are. God bless you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. We're all there. All over the room. We're all there. We're desperately trying to be the man, the woman, the wife, the husband. Father, the son. We're trying to be what God wants us to be. And sometimes life gets so complicated have to come back simplify and realize God is at work he's going to finish it is there anybody in the room today that you do not know the Lord Jesus as your personal savior you don't have a relationship with Jesus but you'd like to have one you've never opened up your heart to faith in Christ but you'd like to do that today I'd love to pray a prayer with you today and help you make that first step toward the life that you were destined to live because Jesus Christ died on a cross that you might be forgiven. So while every head's bowed, just for a moment, every eye's closed, if you would like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior, just lift up your hand right where you are. Lift up your hand right where you are. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.